Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to My Weirdest Experience Podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Welcome to the show. I have a really special guest today. Um, She's an old friend of mine from my Virginia days, and she's a fellow Reiki master. And her name is Linda Pisani. She has a um, business called Holistic Grotto. And since I've moved to South Carolina, she's moved back to her home country of Australia. And today she's going to talk about her experience, really about COVID, because she's like in the midst of it now in Australia, but just her journey from living in America, dealing with COVID in America, and then moving to Australia, where they have really stringent standards um, to prevent the spread of COVID. So welcome to the show, Linda. Good morning, Tina. (laughs) It's very early for Linda, so she won't show me her face on video. (laughs) No, I'm uh... I'm very happy and watching the sun come up. So, you know, early rising this morning, it's all good. Yeah. So you lived a long time in the U.S. before you moved back to Australia. So why don't you kind of start there with your story? Okay. Um, Well, I grew up in Australia. I grew up in a town called Newcastle, which is probably about two and say two hours north of Sydney. So um, I've lived most of my life in Newcastle and, um, you know, I got hired by the police department, New South Wales, the police department. So I moved down to Sydney and I worked down in Sydney up until um, 1996. And then I got married. I met my husband in Melbourne, so got married and he's from the United States. He lived in Virginia. So I got married and I moved to the U.S. with him in uh, February of 1996 and you know, we've had uh, an amazing life there in Virginia, and that's where, uh, you know, I had the opportunity of obviously meeting you and lots of amazing, uh, amazing people. And, uh, you know, so I went into mortgage banking um, there for 10 plus years and then went into healing work. So um, lots of variations when it comes to uh, career, jumping around from one to the other, but um Yeah, so I went into establishing my own business called Holistic Grotto, and that was in um, the Ashburn, Leesburg area of Virginia, and I did that up until the time that we moved, which was in uh, October of last year, in 2020, and that's been a plan all along when my husband retired. We were going to move back to Australia. so it wasn't something that we just kind of, you know, pulled out of the hat. It's been the plan since the day that we got married to uh, live in the U.S. and then eventually move back to the United States. Oh, sorry, move back to Australia when he retired. So um, that opportunity came along last year. And unfortunately, you know, the whole COVID thing hit in, uh, I think it was March. Is that right? March of yeah. 2020 in the U.S. So you know, we went through the whole, you know, the phases, the lockdown and all the phases there in Virginia. I know each state's a little different. So I can only speak about, you know, what we experienced in Virginia. And um, I think we're learning a little bit more about that as we go along today, because each state has different rules for the same supposed disease. You know, so one state can be doing one thing and the other state's doing different things. But at the end of the day, supposedly it's the exact same um, disease. So, um, yeah, we're kind of 
got a lot of questions. I think everyone's questioning a lot of things along the way, things that make sense, things that don't make sense. Um, but we were excited because we, you know, we moved back to Australia in October and um, it was an interesting process because I've never moved the shipping container, uh, you know, with your house on it. <laughs> and, you know, you move your stuff, it takes three months to get from one country to another. And, uh, you know, we sold our house and then the whole thing with the airlines, um, we didn't know at the time, but they took away all the coach seats on the planes. So you couldn't, where we'd normally maybe buy a ticket, I don't know what it is for a one-way ticket, but a, a regular ticket to fly home coach is approximately, you know, $2,700, maybe up to $3,000 if you're flying in peak season. Um, they took away the coach seats and they made them $7,000 a seat one way. So, you know, uh, the timing, you know, maybe wasn't so good, but it just was a shock uh, that they narrowed it down to 25 to 30 people allowed on a plane coming into Australia and minimized daily each state how many people are allowed to fly in to Australia so each plane is allowed 20 to 30 um, passengers and they took um, away coach seats so every seat on the plane was a first class ticket so uh, we have a family of three so obviously at seven grand each it was $21,000 out of pocket one way so we, um, we were surprised with that and then it was interesting too that um, only 25, 30 people on the plane. It's really creepy because, you know, you're flying during the night, you look around the plane, there's barely anyone on there. So um, it's funny, it's weird to be flying across the Atlantic Ocean with um, an empty plane. And uh, But I've got to say, we flew United. The staff were amazing. The, um, the airline hostesses just, they did a great job, very accommodating, uh, super, uh, super great people. We had to fly with our mask on and we flew out of San Francisco to Sydney, which is was about 14 hours. So it's a long time to you know, have your mask on, but uh, it was one of the requirements. So, uh, you know, we, um, we did that. It was uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, you know, you go on somewhere where you want to go. So like suck it up make it happen um but yeah we arrived in sydney um and then you met with the police and military so as you and obviously there's only 25 people on the plane so you're really going through immigration and um the what's the other one where you have like you know you've got to go through your bags with quarantine that kind of stuff if you're bringing in any uh, yeah, customs customs there you go yeah um so you met with doctors and um so that's how we were met at the airport you follow the yellow lines basically and um then as you come out of the airport the military and the police are there to meet you straight away they take your luggage off you and they just basically point to a bus they get your name and get over there get on that bus um and they don't tell you where you're going either so you pretty much shuffled onto a bus i know sydney so as i'm driving through sydney on the bus they have a, a clue of where approximately we're headed but um they don't tell you which hotel you're being taken to so or everyone was being taken to a hotel they had assigned quarantine hotels and um we arrived at the, the hilton in sydney and um once again you checked in by police and military the military take you and your baggage your luggage up to your room and they basically say once we close the doors you're not to leave your room security guards that are outside of your door so if you open your door at any time you're being watched <laughs> you know you can't leave um 
So uh, the only time you can open your door is if you are retrieving your food, which you get three meals a day. They knock on the door, you would wait 10 seconds. Then you can open your door and take your meal to bring inside. Or uh, you're allowed to open your door if you're being tested. We got two tests during our 14-day quarantine at the Hilton. They came on day two. It was a health, uh, I guess it's a doctor and a nurse. They came on day two. They tested all three of us. And then they came again on day 10. So you're tested twice. If you are detected to have COVID, I believe that they were removing you from your hotel and taking you to a health hotel. That's how it was when we were doing it. That may have changed. I'm not 100% sure. But they're trying to keep anyone who has COVID um, basically in the same hotel so that they could contain it and um, you know, support the people in the way that they needed it. But so yeah, be, we did before, 14. Before you got you know, you traveled to Australia, did you know there was going to be all these protocols? Did they warn you or did you just show up and they just told you where to go? So when we bought our airline ticket, obviously the airlines didn't tell us anything and they're probably not obligated to tell you anything anyway. They're only giving you uh, information about flying. So I had to get onto um, Facebook and join quarantine groups, Quarantine Australia, where it was about people returning. And um, that was the only way that I could find out, you know, as much as I could um, about what was happening in quarantine and how, you know, what to expect. And I felt like it was a good place. I know you can't always trust Facebook with information, Mm -hmm. but I felt like these groups were sharing things about, you know, what to pack, how to survive two weeks in a hotel, how to survive in a hotel that has uh, windows that don't open. You don't have a balcony. Um, You don't have a kitchen. And in our case, we had a king-size bed, a bathroom, and basically a kettle and a mini bar fridge. That was it. So we couldn't open a window. There's no fresh air. Um, And everyone lives a little differently. So you really had to prepare yourself. If you're someone who doesn't like fresh air what are things that I can do that can help me kind of um, overcome that you know uh, if you can't get any sunlight what vitamins do you need if you're in a stuffy room take your essential oils and your diffuser if you have small children make sure you're prepared with games and um, different toys Um, so you really had to sit there and think through what does two weeks for me look like locked in a room with no human interaction because you don't see anyone you don't other than you know getting your COVID test on the second day and tenth day you have no human interaction and I know that you and I did a video with each other that was probably yeah you know, we did. Little, <laughs> um, it was nice to pass time but it felt really good to see another person other than you know your family members I know um, not getting the fresh air really bothered you and it would really bother me since I'm you know such an outdoor person I always like being in the fresh air outside and and you're stuck in this room for two weeks (laughs) with a guard outside your door not having fresh air was really hard and it was it affected the three of us um you know we're outdoorsy people we're always you know we love going to the pool we love going to the beach we like going for walks walks so for two weeks um it kind of does a bit of a psyche number on you (laughs) you know you really Mm -hmm. gotta push yourself through that and I think day nine was probably our most challenging day we were um you could see like our emotional state started to change somewhat um very deflated um it was really hard to stay positive and really optimistic each day I mean even though you're like okay I'm in a nice room we're going to get through this only so many days and um and then I had to keep in mind too because we were moving in with mom and dad when we first got here um so I did have 
an obligation to make sure we were doing the right thing by my parents so that we weren't bringing something to them. Um, so I tried to keep that in the back of my mind, you know, like, because my parents aren't 20 years old, they are senior citizens and you want to make sure that um, you're protecting them. Uh, so I tried to keep it in the back of my mind that, that I was doing the right thing, you know, even though it's a, a inconvenience, um, mm -hmm. you're doing it for them type of thing. But, um, but yes, we pushed through the, the 14 days and um, on day 11, uh, yeah, on day 13, they come, um, we had the police and I think it was a nurse or a doctor came to our door and they gave you the results of your COVID test from day 10. So day 13, they give you a wristband and the wristbands that we got basically gave us our release date where we would be allowed to be released from our room and it, they wrote a time on it. So at that time that was written on your wristband was the time that you were able to uh, locate out of your room and, um, and move on to the next part of your journey. It was a pretty good day. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you couldn't wait to get out of there. Uh, yeah. So basically was, um, you're under house arrest for two it, weeks. Yeah. It pretty much, you know, they said that, um, I think initially they were letting people stay home. Like, so if you got off the plane, you self-quarantine, people weren't self-quarantining. So um, that was, I guess the, the way that they devised this was to lock everyone up in a hotel and initially the government was paying for your stay in the hotel I believe um, somewhere in July of 2020 the state stopped paying for the person's quarantine and then it became out of pocket for you so it was $3,000 for the first person and $1,000 for each person after that might have been um, five hundred dollars for a child under the age of, you know, under the age of like ten or something like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my my husband and I obviously adults, and my daughter was nineteen at the time. She's considered an adult for a family of three. For us, was five thousand um, dollars, and then they send you that bill. It's a nice bill to get after you've left quarantine. You have so many days to pay it. Um, so you know, we kind of um we we missed the window because you know they, they they severed that come july and we flew in october mm -hmm. so um you know but once again we thought well we do want to go home um so we just bite the bullet and uh push our way through that but yeah it was a pretty exciting day when we got our bands and you know we did a little happy hour in the room and um it is quite interesting too how creative you can be when you have nothing to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, we would save our water bottles and um, line them up against the wall and started playing tenpin bowling. Uh, you know, we'd have like movie time and um, happy hour, reading time, coloring in, you know, FaceTiming with our friends. Um, we would try and, you know, write something positive on our wall. So I bought some big poster board and black marker pens and each of us had to write something post, um, positive down for each day just to, you know, plant that seed in the morning that, um, you know, we're getting there. So we had day one through day 14 going on our wall. Um, so it's interesting what, what you can do and what you will do when you have to push yourself through something and, um, you know, you know, so it's just one of those experiences, you know, it's definitely mm -hmm. an experience we won't forget. And uh, we came out the other side just fine. And, uh, you know, we were just excited too, because if you think about it, Australia was, um, you know, kind of, they locked everything down and they were saying, oh, we're untouched. You know, we don't have COVID here. And um, so they were walking around just like, yeah, you know, so we really were excited that we were going um, to a country that had no COVID, basically no COVID. And I think New Zealand was on the same boat. They locked themselves down. Mm -hmm. um, I think she called themselves, a, um, they put themselves in a bubble of some sort. 
So New Zealand was considered doing very well um, too. But, um, you know, when we did arrive, Tina, it was like life is normal. There was no mask. There was go anywhere you want. Hang out with how many people you want. Go to a barbecue. Go to the park. Go to the markets. Like nothing was, nothing felt COVID. The only thing that I noticed was we had to, uh, if you went into, say, a restaurant or a pub, you would take your phone and QR code in. So they'd have a QR code on the door and um, you just hold your phone up, scan the QR code, and it's linked to an app that you have on your phone, which is the New South Wales government app. And when you scan in that QR code, it links to your app. And should anyone have COVID in the area or at that place, more so the place that you're at, so if you're at the same pub at the same time, you will receive a text to um, let you know that um, you've been in close contact in the same vicinity as somebody with COVID and they send you a text and recommend that you go and get a um, COVID test and to isolate for three days until you get the um, results. But, um, you know, there really wasn't, I wasn't even thinking any of that. You just QR code in and that was pretty much it, you know. Um, I just felt like it was free living. I thought, wow, this is so good. (laughs) Um, and to not have a mask on because the mask for me was you know once again like we said the fresh air thing and I don't think anyone likes a mask on unless you're in the medical field Mm -hmm. yeah I know um, I know for people with anxiety or PTSD or something like that a mask could be really difficult for somebody like that to wear yeah and I'd had that conversation with someone in Virginia and they were just so uh like shut up and put your mask on and I found that to be really uh number one aggressive and exactly what you said about people who have um health issues that find it very confining and uh you know like you said the PTSD anxiety all those things to put something over your mouth it's like trapping someone in um and not everyone can do it even if it's a paper cloth it's um I mean imagine someone who got choked you know or you know was attacked and affected their breathing can you imagine Mm -hmm. how difficult it would be to wear a mask yeah so, and I yeah. think you and I, you and I might have even gotten a conversation with a lady um, online and she was just basically, you know, everyone can do it. And, you know, it's just this, it's just that. Yeah. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think um, unless you have maybe been through something, seen somebody who's been something, you know, um, of that nature, you just don't understand what that mask is actually doing to people I think that right. there are side effects for some even the kids now I, I still question you know <laughs> having something over their faces that's not normal for kids yeah I mean you know? number I know one each... be compassionate number two be empathic number three not everything is black and white and simple there are complicated you know, situations and reasons why people don't wear a mask but um we did have uh, i mean i did encounter a few um a few odd situations i know when we were in the states i mean you go for a walk and the people wore them walking outside which i Mm -hmm. thought all right maybe they have something at home there's a different situation we all live in different houses different people have different situations and you may have an elderly person that has a health situation going on you live with them but um I remember walking in Virginia, they would cross the street. People would cross over so they don't have to walk past you and they got a mask on. So um, the fear factor based around it, I think was 
um, very ramped up. And, um, you know, and then they'd say, well, have you lost somebody to COVID? And you're like, no. So, you know, everyone I think has a different opinion on it based on their situation or the story they heard or, you know, someone they're close to. So for me, it's like, I'm not going to judge you what you do or want to do because mm-hmm. I don't live your life, you know? So, um, but I, there were a lot of people judging other people, you know? So, um, I think we had to get very used to that in a way where, um, judgment has really defined a lot of this, put that divide in, um, people are pointing us and you're doing this, those people are doing that. So we're in some really different times. I think there's, that I think that judgment still exists, but I think people are just tired now. <laughs> you know, mm, they're like, true. they're like, oh, you know. Um, well, let's tell us what happened when you left the hotel, and you know, you, things were good for a while, right? You could go to places and be free, and then then what happened? Because we know that's not the case now. So yeah. We, you know, we pushed Christmas. Everything was fantastic. New Year's. Um, and, you know, like I said, everything was normal other than you do that QR scan when you go into a hotel or a pub. Um, and then in June of this year, so June 2021, Sydney got a case. And um, kind of, I've got sketchy details on it. It was believed to be a driver of um he he drives the the flight attendants around that come in from the international flights so um someone on that flight i think um or the driver had picked it up and he gave it to someone on the bus something along those lines so i don't want to go too heavy into that because i only know the sketchy details on it but then apparently that's how it introduced itself into Australia again or into Sydney. So Sydney got cases, started to move around. So they did a hard lockdown in Sydney, June 2021. Hard lockdown meant, uh, so these they do some interesting rules here. Um, so you weren't able to, um, you couldn't leave your house more than five kilometres distance from your front door. Um, one shopper per household um, could go and get groceries. So you were allowed to get food. All the shops shut. Um, so basically, you know, like we had just basically your central places. Well, alcohol is essential. Cigarettes are essential. And I come to find out that pornography and sex toy shops are essential. So I started to look at this at a different angle, that anything that is addictive right they've left those places open so you start to think of this as you go along because you're sitting there going like really mm-hmm. why is it why is a sex toy shop open what's that got to do with survival well addiction you know the government really looks at everything don't they so anyway um <laughs> i do I had to laugh about that one, but as a more that I looked at it from a psychological standpoint, anything that is addictive, they've left open. Um, so, yeah, so they went into um, the hard lockdown in Sydney. Uh, my niece was there um, and her boyfriend. So, uh, you know, we were kind of following some things that what was going on through them. So we had firsthand, not just secondhand information, but they really were locked into their, their place. You can go for exercise for one hour a day. Um, and if you were to go past your five kilometer, um, space and you got pulled over by by the police, if you're walking past your five kilometer space or you were driving, if police did uh, pick you up and look at your driver's license and see that you're out of your 5k window, I think it was a thousand dollar fine. Um, so everything got real fine, happy, fine for this, fine for that. Um. So Sydney probably got it the hardest at that time. Um, I'm not 100% up to date with Melbourne. And I know Melbourne has had six lockdowns since COVID started. So um, they've went in and out 
so they have probably a lot of very angry people in Melbourne for, oh, yeah. um, for everything yeah. that they've gone through. Yeah. But what come August, the, it moved. About, sorry. What about the rural areas? Are people still able to get out and about? They're not really subject to the lockdowns of the big cities. So I think the bigger cities probably got hit the hardest, but it did um, it did venture out into some of the rural areas. So I think they were the the health department and the state were just monitoring it where cases were popping up, and if they saw a certain number, then you went into a um, a hard lockdown or a restricted lockdown. We had a restricted lockdown once uh, Sydney went into hard lockdown. Mm-hmm. Newcastle went into a restricted lockdown. And we're only, what, two hours north of Sydney. So, um, But we do have a lot of people that live in Newcastle that commute. So mm-hmm. they're travelling you know, on trains and whatnot down to Sydney to work and then returning. So it was kind of inevitable it was going to make its way up. Uh, but when we're um, talking about cases... Australia doesn't have a lot of cases for um, a, such a large country. I mean, like I'm looking right now online as of September 27th, new cases, 1,492. That's for the whole country. You're saying that's the whole country? Yeah. For new cases. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we've got what, uh, what I think my state has, state of New South Wales has 8.1 million population. So, um, but, you know, for them, they look at it, one case is one case. They don't really, um, I don't think the state is looking at it from a percentage perspective. They're just like one case is one case and they just keep monitoring it area by area. Now, the, we would call, it's called a, um, an LGA, which is your local government area. So um, they were making restrictions and rules by your LGA. So I live in what's called Lake Macquarie area. Um, it's kind of like your council, or if you compare it to the United States, it would be like your county. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you and I both lived in Loudoun County. Um, and here I live in Lake Macquarie Council. So um, they did do things or make implementations, I guess, safety implementations in your local government area. For Newcastle um, or my area, it was like we just could stay in your LGA. We can um, exercise one hour a day. And, and that includes going onto the park. Um, you weren't if you go to the beach you can walk on the beach to exercise but there was no laying around on the beach um I'm a layer (laughs) so (laughs) I'll be honest (laughs) I'm the girl who sat and got some sun I went for my walk and I'd sit for a moment you know but um where I was you know police didn't come up to me or my husband you know like we haven't encountered anything like that but I know in Sydney um they've been walking along the beach and approaching people and you know moving them along and checking them um that's where we were at last year with the shutdown they in south carolina they shut down the county parks the beaches and then they started to open up the beaches and they said you can walk but you can't sit and yeah. now we can do whatever we want. It's, you know, well, they, October 2021. And I've been going to the beach almost every weekend. <laughs> well, they taped up all of our, um, you know, your chairs and tables at the park. They taped up all the, you know, the kids' playgrounds. Um, yeah, they did that last year yeah. too. Mm. But not this so. year. Well, that's what we, well, I've gotten kind of like a double whammy. (laughs) You know, we took all this in the States for how many months just dragged on. And then now I feel like I've started it all over again, what we did in the States. So I just feel like we've gotten a double dose. Um, And, uh, but it is interesting to see each country has different rules and 
how they react. I mean, I know in Melbourne, I watched a video of one guy. He had a cigarette. He was outside, put his mask in his pocket and was having a cigarette. And the police came and um, he was arrested. They put him in handcuffs for not having a mask on. And um, he got taken away. So um, I think it's just different places, different rules, different policing even. Um, but I think I was just really surprised. And I used to be a cop, you know, I was a cop mm -hmm. in Sydney for several years. And I just thought, could I do that? Could I arrest someone for not having a mask on? Like, I just can't wrap my head around that. Um, someone who stood there and had a cigarette, you know, I've got to put him on the ground and handcuff him. I just, uh, you know. If you're going to arrest a maskless, the maskless in, in South Carolina, you're going to be arresting 80 to 85% of the people out there. Yeah. I mean, but so it's so strict there. And I, I looked up the cases. It's 111,000 cases in Australia right now and 1,334 deaths. So relatively low. I mean, in the U.S., we're over 600,000 for COVID deaths already. So why do you think it's so strict in Australia? Like, you know, why is this happening? Why is the government pushing the people so hard on this? You know, it is a good question. And I think that everyone has different perspective on it. Some people are like, we just want to wrap it all up and stop the spread. Um, you know, we've, we can't go from one state to the other. So, you know, now we're living in our own states, can't go to the other state. Um, so the premiers who are allowed to govern their states, just like in the United States, it's like it's your, um, basically it's your business to govern your own state the way that you choose. So each premier is, is governing their own state the way that they want to or the way that they think it's best. Um, how strict it is, I, I just, um, I think they're, they're telling us it's for the better right and that we're protecting your health and um but there are a lot of there's rules where you sit there and go like this just doesn't make any sense um you know and i i, I think that there's the common sense and there's stuff that is just doesn't make sense and i don't know how politically they're playing things um and as we know the health system is in charge. The politician is not in charge. That's how it feels. But they're the new health people have become your newest politician. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they'll, you know, they're obviously saying that they have the health information, they have statistics, they have the data. Um, so, and then the, um, you know, and Australians are very easygoing. We're not an aggressive country. You know, we don't have guns. People are very complicit. Um, most people just want to go to work. They want to, you know, they want to buy a house. They want to have a family, lay on the beach, have a cold beer with your mates. You know, like <laughs> life here is very, people are very easygoing. It's an easy country to live in. Um, and I think people, you know, they pride themselves in that. Uh, you know, even if you look at the protests, uh, they're not even really protests, they're freedom walks. We've got 10,000 people walking through Sydney. They're tired. They're sick of the lockdown. They don't want the vaccines. They want to go back to work. If you are getting, you know, this mass amount of people walking through Sydney's, they're not flipping over cars. They're not burning down buildings. They're not looting. They're not mm -hmm. raiding the Nike store and stealing all the shoes. They're not, you know, smashing down Target and setting the roof on fire. They're walking. So, you know, sure, there's a few fools in every group. We know that. Um, You're still there? Linda? All right. Well, I lost Linda for a moment there, but now she's back. 
Linda, are you there? Yes, I was just proud to see um, that we were, you know, doing the freedom walks and that they were doing it in a respectful way. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about the differences in one country to another and how stringent things are, I was watching one business owner up in Nelson's Bay, and I think she is a, in the healthcare work. She had a, her own business. And um, I guess she was not wearing a mask because she has a health situation and the police came in, I guess another business dubbed her in for not wearing a mask. Police came in and she was fined $5,000 as a business owner, not wearing a mask. And one of her employees, apparently who has a health situation and stated she can't wear a mask, she was also um, issued a fine of a thousand dollars so i think they put in some harsh fines to really push the um the mask agenda anyway mm -hmm. but um i'm just trying to think of some things that um like some some differences of things that you know you went through in the states and um the things that you can and can't do here even visitations too you're allowed to register one person to come to your home say if you're a senior citizen or you were um, in the position where you needed a caretaker you could assign one person as a compassion um, visit mm -hmm. um, you could have that and the, the QR code too. So now with that, we have to sign in every grocery store you go into and you have to sign out when you leave the grocery store. Um, that would mean, you know, the same thing if you go to a gas station, petrol station, because we don't have pay at the pump. We're a little bit, um, a little bit old fashioned here. So <laughs> you got to go inside to pay your petrol bill. Mm -hmm. So you have to QR code in there, QR code when you leave. Um, you know, the bottle shop, you go to the bank, the doctor's office. Um, and I think it was the same in the States where you had, if you had a cough, you had to go and get a COVID test before you're allowed to go and see the doctor. Is that what you had in South Carolina? Um, some doctors don't even want to see you in person. Right. So yeah. you could have like a tele appointment online. Like I had a sore throat not too long ago. And I had to do an online appointment with my doctor because she wouldn't see me in person. Um, it ended up being a sinus infection, though. So we got rid of it. <laughs> right. Well, I know ours, if you go and get the test, and then they said, we will come out to your car. So the doctors come out of their office. Yeah. They don't want you going in the office, and they'll just meet you at the car and kind of. Right. So, do you know, I've had the, the girls tested. Um, at the pediatrician, they'll come out to the car and test you in the car. You don't go inside. So. Okay. Well, if you do contact COVID, the rules here that they've, um, that they will implement is that you home quarantine. So you stay at home, self-isolate for 14 days, the health department, um, slash police will come to your house two times a day in that 14 day period and um, check that you are home. Uh, you don't have an assigned time that they come to check on you. They just arrive at your home anytime you want. And I've heard um, through a friend of mine that they uh, can come to your house at 11 o'clock at night. So um, the people with COVID, you have to get out of bed. That includes your children. You bring them to the front of your home. The police and health department will check that you are at your residence and that you haven't left. Um, so, and if you do leave your home, so if they come and you're not there, I believe it is a $5,000 fine. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's lots of... Um, they put a lot of things in place and, and I don't know, obviously if you're somebody who doesn't have $5,000 for your fine or, you know, you, 
you get arrested now you because you didn't have a mask on while you're walking down the street now you got to go to court is there mask court you know because that's a lot of people sitting in the courtroom um you know if you don't have any money you know what are you going to put out a bench warrant you're going to go sit in a the clink for the night before you go before a you know a magistrate I mean I I just don't know on the other side of all of this how it's going to play out or make sense mm-hmm. um but uh anyway they've put in these forced placements I'm sure it's a, f- a fear factor tactic too you know most people will comply you'll find most people will follow the rules they will do the right thing um so um and, and at the end of the day, we're not COVID-free. You know, is it um, stopping the disease or slowing down the disease? Um, I think we're still in a, a position of a lot of we don't know. Mm-hmm. Some days it feels like making up the rules as they go. <laughs> you know, pulling one out of the hat. Let's see if that sticks, see if that works. Um, we've just basically stayed home you know we uh we're lucky you know we live with my parents so um we've been trying to stay busy with just cooking and you know and I do go to the beach and like I said I'm honest I do sit on the beach yeah um it seems very well organized like somebody sat down and thought this process through and all of these restrictions are they laws what are these are these like agency rules what kind of legal, you know, um, well, foundation this is, is this on? We've does it have a legal? Does it have a legal foundation? <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I think. You know, our Parliament House is in Canberra, which is the capital of Australia. Did they sit there in Parliament House and pass all these laws, like you're saying, or? Um, I think the general conversation that people are having is that if the health department says it, the health department's decisions supersede the law. And that's why I always think of like these people getting arrested for wearing a mask. What happens to them next if they don't pay their fine? Like, what are we really going to do to people? Right. Like, cause you're a hardcore criminal. If you don't wear that mask, you know, you're pretty bad. <laughs> it's a pretty bad offense. you know. So, um, I just don't know how this is going to play out on the other side. Um, if something like you're saying, is it a law? Has it actually been written in? Is it a mandate or it's considered it's unlawful? Unlawful does not mean it's a law. Right. And a mandate can... is not a law. Correct. So the president of this country can say all he wants about mandates, but that's not the law. And I think most Americans understand that. And, you know, a lot of states don't like that mandate. I mean, I think right now there's 24 states are suing. So, you know, we're not complying here, I don't think. Not like Australia. (laughs) We are not complying. So, yeah, so what, it's... what do you see happening? Because right now you, you mentioned when we weren't recording that there are people in government resigning now. Well, our state premier, uh, Gladys Berejiklian, um, she resigned on Friday. And I believe that she is going to maintain her position until the next, um, you know, acting premier is going to be put into position. Um, But she also has an investigation, um, ICAC, which is Independent Commission Against Corruption. Um, They are investigating her from an incident with her ex-boyfriend. So um, I think that it might have been too much for her to handle. You know, she's going through that process. Um, or, you know, she kind of feels as though she's done her bit. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But we may see more people in holding political status starting to resign, retire, get out of the game. It'll and be this, interesting to see how this, this works. Is, this is like a state governor equivalent yes okay Okay. yeah 
And she's elected. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she's the New South Wales. That's the state that I live in. She was our premier. Um, they call them premiers here. Um, but yeah, so she's, she was the outcome. You know, she made her notification clear on Friday um, to our state. So we're trying to figure out who comes next. Um, and then we just got given, <laughs> I love the verbiage on this, we received, it's called the New South Wales Road to Freedom Map. So, yeah, we get our freedoms back. So on October 11th, we get some freedoms. October 18th, you get some freedoms. And then on December 1, you get all of your freedoms back. Really? So we, yeah, so it was all mapped out. Wow. Written, written down. And it was called the escape plan. This is all written on the map that we were sent the freedom map and it was called the escape plan this is how you escape so i'm a very wordsy person you look at mm -hmm. the words and you think are we convicts i mean i know australia is a penal colony way back when um but the words they use is um really makes you feel inhuman you know when you say uh freedoms and she's on tv that's how they talk to you you will get your freedoms um so it's interesting when your leaders talk to you that way. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They know that they've taken away your freedoms. They know you've been restricted. Um, most people in general, you know, they're upset about it, but they're not sitting there going like, my freedoms have been stripped from me. Um, and it's a, it's a, we're just not used to that. You know, we don't walk around in bubbles and um, confined. So uh, it was just definitely interesting when they provided us and I looked at the verbiage on that map. This is how you're going to get your freedoms back. If you do the right thing and you're complicit. Now we have mm -hmm. to have, they're looking at from the 11th of um, October, they wanted 70% of the state, of our state, New South Wales, to be double vaccinated by the uh, I think it was October 18th, they want 80% of the state to be vaccinated. And they're looking at December 1 that most of the state will have a quite high percentage of double vaccination. So you can get your freedom back and live life normally. Merry and if, Christmas. And if, you're, <laughs> and if you're not vaccinated or do not want to be vaccinated, what is the situation for those people? So I think come December 1 by the second, of it and we know that they can change anything minute to minute um but this is the escape plan that they give and uh, i think come december one they're not going to um have any hardcore implementations on vaccinated versus unvaccinated it's just like we have to you got to get your life back to normal the world does have to go on at some point and um they may be looking at it from you're just gonna have to live with covid and or you know, once that arrives, we'll come up with our next plan should something go sideways or, um, but the, the, they're really pushing the vac vaccination hard. You know, I just looked at a bill that came in the mail, you know, I still live with my parents until mm -hmm. uh, uh, our house has been built, but looked at one of their bills. And the first thing it says on your, you know, it has postage stamp. It said, you know, it says, be safe, get vaccinated. I mean, it is in your face everywhere you go oh, yeah yeah, yeah. So, good um, old facebook will have their little pop-up windows get the facts <laughs> get the facts um, you know i've gotten um my first shot i'm getting my next one um i am not um personally you know i'm a healthy person i have a really good immune system i don't get sick i might get a cold once a year a bit of a sniffle but um now, I'm someone who's not sick, so um, it wasn't something that I wanted, but they've backed you into a corner where you don't have a choice. That's the feeling that you're having because you have to show when you go into places, when you get your shots, it will be placed onto an app onto your phone. So when you go into your shops and stuff like that, you will be showing that you are double vaccinated, your little green check um, that you've done it will uh, pop up 
and you'll be able to eat at restaurants, get your hair cut, um, things of that nature. So go to the gym, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. I know that they're stating that they've put this down as that they want you to do this, but I still am not 100% sure of who is monitoring this, who's policing this. A 16-year-old who works at Giant, you know, at your grocery store, mm-hmm. you're a 16-year-old saying, like, show me your double vax. Oh, no, you can't get in. You know, like who is going to actually monitor this? So it will be interesting to see how this pans out starting on October 11th because they're saying if you're double vaccinated, you can do, you know, X, Y, Z. And then on the 18th of October, if you're double vaccinated, well, you get to do, you know, from A to Z type of thing. And then on the 1st of December, it's open house. So um, I just don't know how this is all going to be monitored, policed, uh, and what machines, you know, are they going to devise a machine next where you put your double vax thing under a machine you're not actually going to be checking in with a person because we know artificial intelligence is moving in at a fast rate everything is becoming um high technology i think you know we've seen this coming for a long time you know cash is going to become obsolete we're going to go into a whole new um monetary system artificial intelligence is moving about so i think there's a lot of new things happening um, but we're mostly still stuck in COVID mind. Um, that's where Australia is at anyway. That's a bit different here, but I do live in the South. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, they do have machines that kind of input that data, whether you're vaccinated or not. Um, I just saw a video of a man like, destroying some so that was interesting and it was in an airport (laughs) um i guess he was mad at the machines or whatever (laughs) their restrictions well the thing is too is that you know my mom and i giggle because we're like the worst thing we could have ever done was have these iphones right which changed the system but we gave permission for the system because once you bought the iphone and then you started buying things and then you're being followed and that you gave permission once you opened up those apps and you you know used your i mean here people use their phones to buy everything everything's loaded on your phone you just go up and scan your phone to buy your groceries you scan your phone to buy this you know the gas station you scan you use your phone for everything so if you think about it the link is everything to our phones. So we've, we're moving into more of a artificial intelligence um, way of life very slowly and very gradually, but we're agreeing to it as well. We're yeah. participating. Yeah. And we so could always leave those phones at home. Yeah. Well, you know, if you've got to share that double vax, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, unless you put a barcode on our body or, you know, a chip into our body that um, that would be your backup where your phone then becomes obsolete. But I hate to think of those kind of things, you know, Mm -hmm. I think the microchip for me kind of freaks me out. Well, I hope things get better. looks like they're going to be opening up soon. So, yeah, we're feeling really optimistic right now. And we're ready to just get back on, you know, with life and, and having some fun and definitely seeing our family too. We really miss our family. Yeah. Well, Linda, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and experience with the U S and Australia. I thought it was really important for people to know because we tend to live in a very insular you know community or culture and we don't know what's going on in other countries so I think this episode is going to be eye-opening for a lot of people and if anyone's in Newcastle I'll be setting up my business come uh, January 2022 it sounds strange to use those numbers but (laughs) I'll be setting up my business in Jules in Newcastle so um, have a home-based business where Reiki is going to be happening, meditation, all the good stuff. 
and um, angel readings. So come in and have an angel reading. You know, we'll have our lives back. Everything's going to be great. And um, we're going to have a fabulous 2022. That's for sure. Great. That's good. I'm glad you're getting back in there too. Yeah. It's going to be good stuff. Well, thanks for having me, Tina. You're welcome. It's always fun talking with you, Linda. All right. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience. Hi friends, thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218 or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E.